It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Magic, your daily podcast on the Orlando Magic, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are indeed Locked On Magic. Today is April 11th, 2019. My name is Philip Rossenreich. I'm the expert and site editor over at OrlandoMagicDaily.com. And of course, follow me on Twitter at philiprr underscore omd. And we've hit the end of the regular season. And for the last six years, that was it. We'd prepare for... Uh, close uh, exit interviews tomorrow and the Magic would go on their separate ways. But this year, this year is different. The Orlando Magic are in the playoffs and getting set to play the Toronto Raptors starting Saturday at 5 o'clock. Game 1 will take place then. We'll have a complete recap of that game Sunday. So yes, stay tuned to podcasts throughout the weekends. After games, we'll break down the break down uh, each game and, and talk a little bit about what what's going to happen next or what needs to happen next for the Magic as we dive into the playoffs. Today's episode, though, we're going to focus on that season finale against the Charlotte Hornets, some takeaways from that game, as well as what we have to look forward to here in the playoffs. I'll dive a little bit more into the individual matchup with the Raptors on tomorrow's episode of Locked on Magic. And like I said, I think earlier in the week, there are tentative plans that we will go daily until the playoffs end. So yes, and even a Saturday episode um, depending on things that I, I, I'm still I'm still mapping out my playoff coverage, but plan to have Orlando Magic or plan to have Locked On Magic with you throughout the playoffs. This is your source for the Orlando Magic, your source for the breakdown of what's happening with the team, what's going on in the playoffs, and what will happen next. The only daily podcast uh, covering the Orlando Magic. So definitely, definitely, definitely. Have yourself subscribe to Locked On Magic. You can do that on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and all the fun places to download podcasts to your podcast-enabled listening devices. You can also follow us on the Himalaya app. Have podcasts delivered directly to your mobile device, as well as recommendations uh, and the rest of the Locked On Podcast Network as well. Want to get a leg up on the Toronto Raptors? I do have to highly suggest you check out Locked On Raptors. We've had Sean Woodley here on the podcast on several occasions when we talked about the Terrence Ross trade when we talked about the Jeff Weltman signing, uh, when the Magic hired Jeff Weltman. Uh, even last week after the Magic lost to the Toronto Raptors up in Toronto, we chatted about that game and what a future playoff series would look like. Go Definitely go back into our archives and listen to that or download Sean, Sean's podcast, Locked on Raptors, directly. I know they did their first breakdown of the Magic series against the Toronto Raptors on Locked on Raptors uh, today. Definitely check that out. Get the lowdown from the Raptors' perspective, what they think about this series, what they think about the Magic, as well as what they think about their playoff hopes and what they're hoping to get out of these individual games and these individual matchups. You can find all these podcasts plus Locked on NBA, which will have a full NBA playoff preview on tomorrow's episode, so definitely check those out, as well as Locked on Fantasy Basketball, giving you a fantasy perspective on the NBA playoff games. You can find all these podcasts by searching for Locked On and the team you're looking for, whether it's Locked On Magic, Locked On Raptors, Locked On NBA, Locked On Face Basketball, or Locked On any team in the league. Every NBA team is covered on Locked On Podcast Network. You can find them all on iTunes 
or the Himalaya app, the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. But like I said, today I want to keep the focus on the closing of the regular season and, and, and the Magic's 122-114 to 114 win over the Charlotte Hornets. This game wasn't a clean game, wasn't a, a perfect game by any stretch of the imagination. It wasn't a game that you're going to hold up as a shining example of how good this Magic team can be. No, this game was something else entirely. It was, perhaps fittingly, the last game of the regular season. Some kooky, weird things happened, but the Magic still prevailed. Entering the game, Orlando had announced that that A, Jonathan Isaac was in the concussion protocol after taking a hit to the jaw in the first quarter of Sunday's game. His status for Saturday's game one is still not clear. But the Magic had were going to be down Isaac, certainly hold him out to be in the concussion protocol, but probably as a precaution anyway. Nikola Vucevic, though, also out for the game with a stomach illness, with a, with some type of illness. Um, his status for Game 1, up in the air, but I would venture to guess that he will play in that game. So Orlando came into this game de- shorthanded, probably willingly shorthanded, no reason to push guys or risk injury, even with seating on the line. So the Magic still had plenty to play for, and they had to scramble and find a way against a Charlotte Hornets team that had everything to play for. In order for the Hornets to make the playoffs, they would need a win and a Detroit Pistons loss, a loss that would not come. The Pistons dispatched the New York Knicks easily without Blake Griffin. And so the Hornets came into this game with everything to lose and everything to play for. And Kemba Walker played exactly like that, scoring 42 points in the game, and the Magic, frankly, had no answer for him. They could not figure him out. Orlando, though, had to spend some time figuring itself out. How do they generate points? How do they generate offense with Nikola Vucevic out of the game? It was a big question that hung over the first quarter. They tried posting up Aaron Gordon. That didn't work. They tried some pick and rolls with Evan Fournier. That didn't work with the, with the Hornets' ability to switch and willingness to switch everything. Orlando could not take advantage of mismatches. And their defense was shaky at best. Certainly not where they needed it to be. But they figured things out, and they got the spark that they needed from Terrence Ross. Terrence Ross got himself going late in the first quarter to give the Magic a lead that they would not give up, and eventually helped them pull ahead by double digits, where the Magic really kept the Hornets at bay. Every time Charlotte made a run, got it to within five or six, Orlando had a big shot or a big play or a run of their own to stretch the lead back out to 10. And eventually Charlotte, just like this season with their playoff run, ran out of time. Terrence Ross, the absolute hero in this game. Just shooting three, scoring at will with 35 points off the bench. Six for 10 from beyond the arc, 12 for 19 from the floor. He was everywhere and doing everything for the Magic. Contested shots, drawing fouls, open shots, crashing the glass. Six rebounds in this game, including two offensive rebounds. Ross was just... The Hornets couldn't figure him out, and, and frankly, Ross was just in a zone that wasn't going to get snapped. But Orlando got help from plenty of other places. DJ Augustin did a great job driving to score in the third quarter after kind of meandering through the paint and, and just dealing with, with isolations with Bismack Miombo. 
Aaron Gordon got himself going, finding gaps and getting his jumper to fall in the second half, especially. He would score 27 points in the game. Orlando just kind of squeezed their way through eventually. They did what they had to do. And, and again, Charlotte cut the lead down to three late in the third quarter, but Orlando pulled away. Got it back up to, I think it was six or, or nine by the end of the third and ran away with it in the fourth. Again, never quite getting to the 20-point mark or running away with the game, but never letting Charlotte get close enough. Terrence Ross always had a three. Aaron Gordon always had a bucket. Someone always had a play to save this team and, and keep them in the lead. This is, as they might say, a professional win. A game where the Magic probably were not their best, but did more than enough to win the game. They weren't super impressive defensively, but they did more than enough to win the game. And that's, frankly, all the Magic needed to accomplish in this one. And you could feel, again, this confidence, this energy, as the Magic held the Hornets at bay in the fourth quarter, and when Charlotte finally pulled Kemba Walker, perhaps for the final time in a Hornets uniform, they knew that their playoff dreams were over, and that the Magic had laid claim to this A, the Southeast Division, which they'd already won, but laid claim to this core identity that has propelled them to this playoff appearance. And that's what I'm going to talk about here in just a moment. Hey guys, it's Walker Mail, host of the Locked On Hornets podcast. And being around sports media and a fan of the Hornets for a lifetime has taught me that sometimes it's exploring the sliding doors moments and what-if scenarios in sports that can be the best part of the fan experience. What if the Seahawks let Marshawn run on the one-yard line with the Super Bowl on the line? Or could a coin flip actually have landed Magic in Chicago, Michael in L.A., and made Charles Barkley the first black president? Enter Wondery's newest sports show, Alternate Routes, a weekly leap into the sports multiverse with former Sports Center anchors Trey Wingo and Kevin Frazier. Each week on the podcast, Trey and Kevin will pry open the sliding doors of a different what if moment from the world of sports. In these alternate sports realities, dynasties will fall, legacies will change forever, new goats will emerge. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcast. You can listen to Alternate Routes early and ad free right now by joining Wondery Plus. But before we do that, I do want to run through the final box score for you here. Just again, a weird game. It felt like Orlando spent the first quarter and a half, um, really the first quarter or so, to to figure out how they wanted to attack, who they were going to be in this game. They It didn't always feel like they were sure exactly how they were going to, to, to take care of business on this one, how they were going to, um, really how they were going to make Charlotte pay or, or, or beat Charlotte, uh, frankly. Um, it, it took them a while to kind of get their rhythm. But once they found that rhythm, they never let go. And it's, it's a real credit to the preparation from Steve Clifford. It's real credit to the players for kind of problem-solving this game. And I think that bodes really well for the playoffs, honestly, that they can problem-solve a game sort of within it. Now, obviously, you don't have time to waste in the playoffs. You need to be ready to go. You need to have your attack planned out very quickly um, in the playoffs. But... You know, we've seen this team again and again and again kind of get down a little bit and, and then wiggle their way free and find their way out. And so I think that that was a really good really good overall positive sign from this game. Terrence Ross, the obvious hero. 35 points, 12 for 19 shooting, 6 for 10 from beyond the arc. That makes him 6 for 9 uh, uh, on two-pointers. Six rebounds, two assists for him. 
Um, Ross was just making shots from everywhere and anywhere that he wanted. He um, really dominated this game. I, 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 I don't think there's any really way to describe it. It wasn't that the Magic were getting him good shots all the time, but he was, again, always willing to shoot a shot, but making them at a really high rate. And once Orlando got the ball moving, Orlando did finish with 24 assists, which is kind of low for them. 24 assists on 48 field goal makes is very, very low for them. But once Orlando did get the ball moving and and did start finding guys like Terrence Ross, the Magic started to kind of pull away and and take control of the game. You know, the Magic don't win this game if Ross doesn't shoot that incredible percentage, if Ross doesn't score that many points. Um, They needed everyone to kind of pull and tie together to get themselves uh, over the hump, to get themselves into... Uh, playoff contention like this, uh, or into this kind of mode where they could win this game. Uh, and Ross was really the catalyst. Um, he was really the guy that sparked the team into uh, to, into attention, uh, for, for for lack of a better term. Uh, Aaron Gordon also did a really good job, especially in the second half. He scored 27 points, 7 rebounds, 3 assists, 11 for 18 shooting. Really struggled early on, I thought. Um, early on, Magic were trying to establish him in the post, and he really struggled with that. I mean, I think uh, in this kind of a game, when he was going up against a guy like Miles Bridges, who he should be uh, able to post up, um, he tends to fall in love with that little fadeaway jumper. That's kind of his go-to move. Uh, and and against smaller defenders, that's not good. Uh, when you're posting up a smaller defender, you want to move toward the basket, shoot over them because you have the height advantage. Um, if you're fading away from them, you're giving up a lot of that advantage and making the shot a lot more difficult. And, and Gordon's moves are pretty predictable at this point. Everyone knows... He's trying to turn over his left shoulder. Um, he doesn't. He doesn't go left at all. He doesn't turn over his right shoulder at all in the post. Um, he's always trying to get middle to set up that fadeaway jumper. Uh, and and you know it, it, if it's rolling like it was in the second half, he was able to get it go down. He's a really dangerous player because you cannot guard that shot. But if it's not falling, it's a bad shot. Um, so you know I think his shot selection came into play here. It's really, the first time we've seen that happen. I think the Magic wanted to run plays for him because Charlotte was switching so much. They ended up with a lot of isos for him. Uh, and, and that kind of bogged down the Magic's offense, especially early on. But I think Gordon did a really good job attacking the offensive glass, did a really good job kind of staying active. We know how great his second jump is. Uh, and and he, he made some really powerful moves where in the first half, he really settled for that mid-range jumper, for that follow-away jumper. In the second half, he really attacked the basket, had some emphatic dunks uh, off of post-ups, off of offense uh, in the half court that really kind of lifted the team a little bit and and, and gave them a, a little bit of a momentum push. And obviously, Gordon uh, reaped the benefits with a very strong game. Other notable scores, DJ Augustin, 18 points, 7 for 13 shooting, 3 for 6 from beyond the arc. Evan Fournier with 14 points on 6 for 15 shooting, missed all five of his three-pointers. Just uh, not a great game for him. He, both he and DJ Augustin struggled a lot with Kemba Walker chasing him around screens. Um, Wessa Wundu with 7 points. Ken Birch with his first career start gets 5 points, 6 rebounds. Um, because Nikola Vucevic was out, Emil Jefferson got his first meaningful minutes of the season, uh, and I thought did okay. Six points, seven rebounds, three for four shooting. Um, I think because Charlotte has shooting bigs like Frank Kaminsky, they were able to get away with using him a little bit more, but he held his own in the post and, and got some big rebounds. I mean, I, I think Jefferson, you know, Steve Clifford said all year that Jefferson is a guy that he trusts, that that he feels like he can throw out there and will be fine. Um, and and I think that I think that that Jefferson showed that throughout this game. Um, he was fine. You didn't have to worry about him. Struggled a little bit guarding Kemba Walker, but who didn't? Uh, and, and so Orlando could rely on him to, to be their backup center, and he played a pretty good game. Not any world-beating game. Not a game to it's gonna make me say like, oh, you know, make convert his two-way contract immediately. Um, he is not playoff eligible because on a two-way contract. 
Um, but I, I thought he played perfectly fine. And, 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 you know, I think I've said this throughout the year about Emil Jefferson. The guy deserves an NBA shot somewhere. It's, it's not going to come in Orlando, but, but he is like right on the edge of making the NBA. Orlando shoots 54.5% from the floor for the game, 11 for 30 from beyond the arc, six of those again from Terrence Ross, or five for 20 outside of Terrence Ross, um, nine offensive rebounds, just six turnovers in the game. Big reason why the Magic were able to win, limited their turnovers in this one. So did Charlotte, though, eight turnovers, but Charlotte gets 43 points from Kemba Walker, 16 for 25 from the floor, four for nine from beyond the arc, seven for seven from the foul line, five assists for him. Orlando just had no answer for Kemba Walker. They've never had any answer for Kemba Walker, so the key is stopping everyone else. Magic did that enough, but not particularly well. Jeremy Lamb, 22 points. Miles Bridges, 18 points. Those were the big scores for the Hornets. Uh, They shoot 52.6% from the floor, but 8 of 29 from beyond the arc. Outside of Kemba Walker, no one was able to shoot from the outside. And really, it was Kemba Walker and Jeremy Lamb went a combined 8 for 16 from beyond the arc. That means everyone else was 0 for 13. Orlando, I mean, simply, this was a game where Orlando outscored Charlotte. They played enough defense for long enough to get the win, to give themselves a cushion to play with. They hit big shots to hold them off, to, to kind of discourage them, to build their energy, and that was that. The Orlando Magic just kind of took care of their business. Wasn't pretty, wasn't how the Magic need to play in the playoffs. They obviously will need Nikola Vucevic. They will obviously need Jonathan Isaac. This is still a team with a very small margin of error, uh, and, and, and they won't be able to play games like this if they want to win in the playoffs, but... Every win counts the same. The win helped them clinch the seventh spot in the East. They'll play the Toronto Raptors in Game 1 on Saturday. But for now, the regular season ends with a 122-114 win over the Charlotte Hornets at the Spectrum Center. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Barea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Barea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Barea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And and like I said, you know, the Magic aren't going to win a game like this in the playoffs. If they play like they did here, they're they'll be going home pretty quickly. I mean, they got to be sharp. Their margin for error is, is very small still. Missing key players like Nikola Vucevic and Jonathan Isaac for any period of time, and, and maybe less so Isaac than Vucevic. Vucevic, for sure, if they miss, if they, he's out, they're in trouble. Uh, but, but Orlando, Orlando, just they know that they all have to play well. They they know that it's it's been a message that I think Steve Clifford's kind of hammered home to the media as well. If they play the way they know they're playing, they can beat anyone. But if they don't, they'll be they'll be in trouble, and that's going to be one of the big challenges of this playoff of these upcoming playoffs. But this game, in particular, it's sort of a microcosm of of who this Magic team has become. 
take out their best player, take out their best defender, put them in a position where they have to figure out their offense, where they have to adjust on the fly, where their initial plan doesn't work, where they fall behind a little bit at the beginning. And this team, no matter who's on there, seems to just figure it out. They seem to always find a way. And I think I've expressed this in some form or fashion that, you know, this is just a team that fig- finds a way to win. And, and, and at a certain point, that's all that matters. It doesn't matter how you get there. As Chuck Daly used to say, there's no such thing as an ugly win. At the end of the day, the result is the goal. And we're past the point of the season where we can say process over result. Result is the only thing that matters. We're in the playoffs. 16 wins to go. But I think there's there's something else at play here. This Magic team has taken on this, this characterization, this ability to, to find a way to win, to find a way to do exactly what they need to do, to adjust and make up for their own deficiencies at times. And you see that in how the Magic respond to adversity. Going down early by eight to this Hornets team. Last day of the season. You're already in the playoffs. This team isn't relying on anyone. That's Boston. If, if, if Detroit had beaten Charlotte and eliminated them on that day and given Orlando a playoff spot before they stepped on the floor, Orlando would have still tried to win that game. And, and, and it's become increasingly, increasingly clear with this group that they never think they're out of the fight. That they're always searching for a way to make things work. And when they find that thing that works, it becomes easy for them. As we get ready for this series against the Toronto Raptors, which again will be very tough. I do think the Magic are an intriguing matchup with Toronto, and I'll get into a little bit more of that on tomorrow's episode of Locked on Magic. I think it is an intriguing matchup. But at the end of the day, the playoffs become a battle of wills. Are you going to be able to execute well enough to beat your opponent? And if that breaks down, are you going to be able to find a way? This Magic team was 20-31, and 31, seemingly gliding to another disappointing season. And they rallied to go 21-9 and nine through the final 30 games. A not insignificant sample size. This team was down 14 in Boston, 8 in Charlotte last night, 17 in Miami a week ago. Big games. And... They didn't stop. They kept grinding. They kept playing. This is a team that hasn't lost by more than 10 points in all but two, maybe three games since late January. To me, that, 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 that is a team that always fights, that never believes they're out of it. And to me, that trait is going to become most important as the playoffs begin. It's that trait, that characteristic of this group that's going to propel this team into 
the potential for an upset, perhaps, into the ability to battle with one of the best teams in the Eastern Conference. As I sat there and kind of thought about this group and what this group accomplished this season and and as they prepare for the, the playoffs against the Toronto Raptors, my mind kept turning to the old phrase from the 1995 finals run. Emblazoned above the locker room was a, a quote that former owner Rich DeVos said as the team was preparing for the playoff chase. Why not us? Why not now? At that point, it was a statement of a, a statement to, 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 to kind of thumb their nose at critics who, who said, the Magic are too young to compete for the playoffs. They're not ready for the moment. They're a very talented team. They're on their way, but they're not ready for the moment. DeVos Ever, the salesman, was saying, no, this is our moment. Why can't we accomplish what no one says we can? Why can't we believe in ourselves and, and the work that we've put in? to make our dreams come true? And why can't we do it now? Why should we have to wait? That inspired that magic team. That inspired that young group to seize their moment, to seize their opportunity. And certainly, it's easier to do that when you have Shaquille O'Neal and Anthony Hardaway to do it. But I do think that this 2019 magic team has to have that same mantra, that same mindset. Because the one thing that they've proven throughout the year, throughout this season, is that they do not give up the ship. They believe they will win every game. They have a confidence, a little bit of swagger even, to attack and give themselves a chance to win every single night. And frankly, at this point, why should we doubt them? After 30 games, again, a not insignificant sample size. After 30 games, they've proven time and time again they're not going to blow that lead. They're going to put their foot down and win the game at the end, just like they did in Charlotte. When Charlotte got within three, they extended the lead back out. When Charlotte tried to make a run in the fourth quarter, they extended the lead back out until time ran out. They didn't have to blow them out to beat them. They had to make the plays at the key moments. And again, once they unlocked that puzzle, once they solved the Hornets, after struggling early in the game, they had the con- they, A, they had the confidence to solve it. If that first, that first strategy didn't work, let's try another one. That second strategy didn't work, let's try another one. They had the confidence and the ability to keep themselves in it until they figured it out. And then they figured it out and got themselves right where they want to be. So why not us? Why not now? It is far-fetched to think that this Magic team will do much more than be a nuisance in this first round. But why not us? Why not now? Why shouldn't the Magic believe that they can beat this team? They've done it twice already this season. Why shouldn't the Magic believe that they can overcome their inexperience and play in these big moments. 
Why shouldn't the Magic believe that they're capable of beating anyone that they face right now? They all have the same record right now. They're all 0-0. And it's the first of 16 that wins. Why shouldn't the Magic believe that this is their moment? Whatever a victory might mean to you, and certainly my brain tells me that I can say all this and, and still believe that the Magic will probably lose this series in five or six games. But at this point, nothing would surprise me. At this point, I'm done doubting what this Magic team can accomplish. I'm done saying this moment's too big for them or the Magic aren't going to be able to find a way at the end. Now is the time for belief. Because the Magic certainly believe that they're going to make noise. And however you ultimately want to define that, the Magic believe they're going to win. So why not us? Why not now? I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked on Magic. Of course, find us on Twitter at Locked on Magic. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and all the fun places to download podcasts to your podcast-enabled listening device. You can, of course, also find us on the Himalaya app. Check that, check that out to find your favorite podcasts and download them directly onto your uh, device as well as get playlists of your favorite podcasts. You can find me on Twitter at R underscore OMD. And, of course, for the latest on the Orlando Magic, be sure to check out orlandomagicdaily.com. Up on orlandomagicdaily.com. I have a list of five adjustments that Steve Clifford will need to need to make almost immediately to help the Magic have a chance against the Toronto Raptors. I'll talk a little bit more about some of those on tomorrow's episode of Locked on Magic as we begin breaking down the matchup between the Orlando Magic and the Toronto Raptors. But until then, I want to thank you all again for listening. For Orlando Magic Daily and Locked on Magic, this has been Philip Ross and Reich. I'll see you all again next time for another episode of Locked on Magic. You are Locked on Magic. Your daily Orlando Magic Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On Podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.